0: Well, good morning again. I do see visitors. Some of you have been here a number of times, so you're no longer visitors. You're part of us. But I want to welcome all those visitors that I, I didn't know. My name is I'm Dan. And some of you may not know the visitors that I'm an expository preacher, which means we're going to have a Bible study, and we're going to call it a sermon. And it's titled this morning, Goodbye to Guilt. And my text is Psalm 51, verses 1 through 17. In your bulletin, you'll find an insert. And in the insert, you'll find the, uh, the title, the text in the back, uh, printed in the NIV. And, of course, you'll find the outline of the sermon for your easy reference. So pray with me, as I usually do, as we seek God's message in this passage. Psalm 1914 states, And dear Lord, this morning, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. You know, when I was in high school, quite some time ago, I had a teacher in one of my English classes that was absolutely excited over Shakespeare. We had to read several plays of Shakespeare in her class. And I just want to confess that I, either I am too dumb to understand Shakespeare, or I am just too lazy to try. But I never got into Shakespeare. And if you're like me, you're probably familiar with one play, perhaps the famous Lament of Lady Macbeth. In his famous play, Macbeth, Macbeth was encouraged by his wife to murder King Duncan and seized the throne. And after he committed the murder, she took the blood of the king and smeared it on some sleeping guards so they would be implicated in the murder. And later on on the plot focuses like a laser beam on Lady Macbeth herself. And night after night she's walking in her sleep, staring at her hands, and she keeps pleading these famous words. Out, cursed spot I say, one, two, here is the blood of smell still. All the perfumes of Arabia will not sweeten these little hands. You know, Lady Macbeth was suffering from a common illness for which there is no human cure. And the reason why there is no human cure is because we fail to determine the cause. And the cause of all guilt is sin. Sin is the wound guilt is the infection there's only one cure for guilt and the best doctors the best surgeons the best psychiatrists the best counselors the best psychologists the best advisors and the best medicines all over this world cannot cure this illness there's only one cure for sin and that is forgiveness and there's only one source of forgiveness and that is God you know, there are a lot of diets out there. They, they're boasting of their ability to detoxify the body. But the debate goes on as to whether they really do work or not. You know, our bodies have two organs, livers and kidneys, that if healthy, they do a beautiful job in cleansing our bodies on a daily basis. That's how our, our bodies are so designed that the natural cleansing happens automatically. But when we insert and Unnatural toxin into our bodies like alcohol or cocaine or nicotine, we require detox. Detoxification is the process of allowing the body to rid itself of a drug while managing the symptoms of withdrawal. And so, in effect, sin is the malfunctioning of the heart and our conscience, it infuses the bloodstream of our soul with guilt. On our own, we are helpless to get rid of it. Sin is an inside job, and it requires outside healing. It is a problem within, and it requires forgiveness from above. In this Psalm 51, David describes the terrible effects of sin sickness. You see, he has lived in the sin of adultery against his wife and manslaughter against her husband, He is confronted with his sin by a prophet named Nathan. He is convicted of his sin by God, and he wants to come clean. And out of that experience, he writes this psalm, and he answers this question. When you are confronted, caught, and convicted of sin in your life, and you no longer want to run from God, you want to run to God, what do you do? The good news for all of us today is at any time we want to, we can say goodbye to guilt if we will follow David's advice by asking God to do four things for us. First, release me from guilt. See, too often when we do something wrong, and we are filled with guilt, instead of running to God and instead of coming clean with our sin, we try to cover our sin. And that always makes the problem worse. The first thing that has to take place if we are going to deal with the guilt and get released from guilt is honest confession. Psalm 51, our text, verse 3 and 4 states, For I know my transgressions, And my sin is always before me against you. And you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. The only knife that is sharp enough to lance the boil of sin and get rid of the infection of guilt is the knife of confession. Remember this. There is one thing that God will never accept for sin and that is an excuse. You can never try to alibi your way out of sin. It just makes the pain of guilt and infection of a guilty conscience worse. Do you know why? Because when you try to cover your sin, God will uncover it. But when we uncover our sin, God in His mercy will cover it. So the next time you have to do this is to totally and honestly confess your sin. You've got to take sin seriously. Sin is not a misdemeanor. It's a felony. It's not a cold. It's cancer. And David uses three words to describe sin and three words to describe what he needs for his sin. Our text Psalm 51, verses 1 and 2 states, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Listen, there are three different words used here for wrongdoing. The word transgression means to cross a forbidden boundary, to rebel against the law of God. The word iniquity means perversity, because if you think about it, it's so perverse to think that you could sin against an all-knowing, ever-present God and get away with it. The word sin literally means to miss the mark. It doesn't mean just to miss the mark for what God wants for you. It means to miss the mark of what God has determined is the best for you. That's the point. See, David doesn't call sin a mistake or a misfortune or a misjudgment. He calls sin what God calls Sin. This is what the word confess means, to agree with God on what sin is. It is not an affair. It is adultery. It isn't fudging the figures. It is lying. It is not borrowing indefinitely. It is stealing. To get rid of this takes radical surgery. So what does David ask for? First, he asks God to blot out his transgressions. Sin leaves a record, and David wants the record wiped clean. Why did he use the word blot? Generally, if you commit an offense, you can perform some kind of restitution or sacrifice to pay for it. But there are two sins no one can pay for. Adultery and murder. Murder. You cannot take back the act of adultery. You cannot restore the life that you took. The only thing that David could do was to go to the only one who could wipe the the slate clean, and that was God. And then David says, wash away all my iniquity. Sin doesn't just make you guilty. It makes you dirty. And that is what sin does to a healthy conscience in a saved person. It makes you feel dirty and filthy. Like the prodigal son, you wind up in the pig pen of life and you literally want to take a sin shower. You want to be clean. You want to do whatever is necessary so that you will be clean. You know, it says, cleanse me from my sin. The word cleanse means purge. It literally means de-sin me. David is asking for a spiritual detox because that is the only thing that will release us from our guilt. The next thing we need to ask God is to renew me by your grace. See, David takes a bigger, deeper, longer step in his forgiving process that far too many of us don't take. And it is the reason why many of us find ourselves committing the same old sin over and over, and over. When we sin, we, the saved, obviously know instinctively that the first thing we need is forgiveness. Again, that is the only cure for the infection of guilt because only forgiveness deals with the cause of the infection, which is sin. See, David realized forgiveness was not the only need that he had. He sinned with his hands, but his problem was his heart. You remember why we all sin. It's because we are all sinners. We do what we do because we are what we are. And David doesn't want to deal with the symptoms of his problem. He wants to deal with the cause of it. David realizes, I don't just need pardon. I need purity. In other words, we don't just need to be cleared of our sin. We need to be cleansed from sin so David says in our text, Psalm 51.10, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me, a right spirit within me. See, David realizes when you are dealing with guilt that this is not just a fungus on the surface of the skin that you can scrape off and not something you can cure with a home remedy. It takes a heart remedy. It takes radical surgery. It takes a spiritual heart transplant. It really takes a miracle. See, that word create is the same word used in Genesis. It was used then to describe the creation of the world. It means to create something out of nothing. It is a miracle that only God can perform. David realizes that the heart of his problem is the problem of the heart. However, it is not enough. He needs purity. He needs a new heart. You can't buy one of those at the stores. They don't stock them in the hospital. It's not a prescription you can have the pharmacist fill. We don't need a minor repair job. We need a complete spiritual overhaul. You see, our problem is greater than just individual sins. Our problem is sin. You can't just deal with what you do. You've got to deal with what you are. And when we ask God to create in us a new heart and renew a steadfast spirit within us, what we're really asking for is, I want to be changed from the inside out, not just the outside in. I know that it's really hard for some people, for all people, to let go of sins particularly what I call pet sins. If you are addicted to pornography, drugs, alcohol, a bad temper, filthy language, I can tell you right now, none of your resolutions are going to work. They're all totally worthless and powerless. What we need is for God to renew us by his grace. And thirdly, we ask God to revive me for His glory. Amen. You know there are some ways that you can know that God has indeed cleansed your heart. There are some ways that we can know that we are back on the right path with God, that we are now equipped and ready to go out and meet temptation and deal with it in the right way. And so our, our text, Psalm 51:11 says, "Do not cast me from your presence or take your holy Spirit from me." That is a very strange statement. It's kind of frightening. No one wants to lose the presence of God or the Holy Spirit in their lives. What is he referring to? Listen. He was not referring to losing salvation, to having God completely and totally leave you once and for all, or to forsake you forever. What he was saying is something I hope we all realize. He had just asked God to give him a pure heart. He wants to live a life of purity. He wants to take the right path. He wants to make the right call. He wants to exercise the right decision in everything that he does. And there are two things that we have to have if we're going to live the life that God wants us to live and be the persons that God wants us to be and do things that God wants us to do. And that is, first, we need God's presence. And two... We need God's power. I want to give some of you some news. I cannot tell you how many times I have heard people refuse to give their lives to Jesus Christ because being a follower of Jesus is impossible. They will say, oh, I could never live up to that. I could never live the Christian life. Well, let me give you some discouraging news first. And then some encouraging news. The discouraging news is they're totally correct. They are absolutely right. They cannot live up to it. You cannot live up to the Christian life. You can't come clean, be clean, or stay clean on your own. The good news is you don't have to, and God doesn't expect you to. Listen, the Christian life is not living for God. It is God living through you. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you immediately get two things. You get the presence of God the Father in you, and then you get the power of the Holy Spirit for you. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. When you believe the word of God and you receive God's Son, God will achieve through you all that He wants you to do. When we talk about a revival, that is what revival is. Revival is knowing, I'm going to live a life of purity, not because of my performance, but because God's presence and the Spirit's power. Then there is one last thing that we need to have, and that is, fourth, restore me to your gladness. Psalm 51, 12 states, Restore me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willy spirit to sustain me. Notice, David doesn't ask for his salvation to be restored because he never lost it. When a believer sins, God doesn't rob him of his salvation. He robs him of the joy of his salvation. You never lose your salvation, but you can lose a lot of the fringe benefits. You know, the saddest, most miserable people I've ever met in my life are followers of Jesus who are living in unconfessed, unforgiven sin. I can say this with confidence. If you can live in sin and be happy, you are not a follower of Jesus. But if you are a follower of Jesus, you cannot live in sin and be happy. For a year, David had been miserable living in the filth of sin and living in the misery of guilt. You know, God made us all that way. Have you ever noticed the instinct that human beings have to try to hide their face if they find themselves in a situation that makes them feel guilty or ashamed or embarrassed? For example, you see people on television arrested and they will try to hide their faces from the camera and turn away from the cameras. You can't see it but there is an invisible ghost of guilt walking right by them. That is why we need to say goodbye to guilt. You see, sin puts you on the shelf and forgiveness puts you on the stage. Sin beats you up and leaves you for dead and forgiveness picks you up and restores your health. Sin sinks you into guilt and forgiveness showers you with grace. Sin puts a frown on your heart and forgiveness gives a smile to your soul. Sin puts God on the outside and forgiveness puts God back on the inside. Sin will cost you and give you a guilty conscience. Forgiveness costs God everything but gives you a clean heart. Listen. Do you know what happens when you are restored to God's gladness? Restored to his joy? First of all, you become a witness again. Our text, Psalm fifty-one thirteen, states, Then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. Sin not only soils the soul, but it seals the lips. If you aren't walking with Jesus, you won't be talking for Jesus. When you know that your own testimony will condemn you, you will plead the fifth. But when you are right with God and tight with God, you will live for God. But then something else happens. You will become a worshiper again. Psalm, our text, Psalm 51, verses 14 and 15 state, Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my Savior. And my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. When you are living in sin and swallowed by guilt, you don't want to come to church. And if you do, your heart's not in it. You don't read your Bible and you don't want to read your Bible because either the Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. It works the same with God. Sin Will keep God, God will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from, from God. So when you say goodbye to guilt, every time you open your lips, you will want to declare God's praises. Now, let's deal with where we may be. Perhaps you are saying to yourself, I feel guilty because I am guilty. I am abusing drugs and alcohol. I've had an abortion. I've cheated on my spouse or I am cheating on my spouse. I have ruined my marriage. And of course, there are so many other sins. So how can I be sure that God will forgive me? How can I know that if I come to God and confess and come clean that He will forgive accept me and he will forgive me there are two things that absolutely guarantees that the cross of Jesus and the blood of Jesus Jesus did not come to this earth and die on a cross and come back from the grave to make us better but to make us forgiven He didn't come to reject us. He came to release us, renew us, revive us, and restore us. And the only sin that God cannot forgive is the sin of refusing to ask Him for His forgiveness. And so our text, Psalm 51, is a beautiful song that David has written. It tells us very plainly that God is always waiting to forgive. God is always willing to forgive. And God is always wanting to forgive. Whenever you are ready, say goodbye to guilt. And we declare this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, for we worship the one true God. You know, as Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. And to you all I say that we shall go out in peace. This morning the altars have to be open because we have to seek his presence. We have to let the Holy Spirit work and seek forgiveness. Those of you who are without unforgiven sin are free to go and do so quietly for those that remain. Amen? Amen. I just looked at Mike. Whoa, did I put, the, I put the guilt on you. Peace of God go with you. I know I'm staying. I have unforgiven sin.